I ain't going to tell you how much I had to pay him to say that. I'm just so thankful that I could come here tonight and uh, speak to you. Um, first off, I want to talk a little bit just about me because I'm nervous. And <laughs> whenever I talk about myself, I, I, if I make a mistake, some people will know it and some won't. But, you know, like Ricky and Cindy, they've known me for many years. <laughs> they could probably pick them out. <laughs> but I remember... One time many years ago, whenever I was working at a gas station, and uh, I was cleaning up the floor in there, and some gasoline had got spilt on the floor, and the furnace kicked on. And when it did, it blew the front window out of the building and raised the roof and set it right back down. Well, I'm just a teenager. I didn't think much about that. Well, whenever I got home, my mom started talking to me about it. She goes, do you realize that could have killed you? And I go, well, not really. I didn't think about it. You know, I'm just a teenager. I don't think about things like that. So she had the preacher come over and talk to me. And that was the first time that I've ever, that I recall, ever having somebody tell me, you need to be saved. And they prayed with me. Well, I do like most teenagers. Okay. I'll take it, you know, I'll go with that. Well, then I graduated high school and I went off into the military because I knew I did not want to be pumping gas all my life. I wanted to do something. And uh, I didn't get to go to Vietnam even though I requested because my brother was already over there, but he came home a short time later, so I wound up in Germany and uh, spent a year and a half there and then came back home and uh, met a lady and we got married, and I was out of the service for about three years, and we had a little baby girl. I had one already. She, would, she was three years old at the time, um, and uh, well, let me back up a little bit. I worked at a bus garage in Kansas City, Missouri, and they went on strike, so I had no insurance or anything, so I went back and talked to the Army recruiter and asked him if he could put me back in because I knew the day I signed on the dotted line I would have medical insurance for my wife and soon come to baby. And he says, well, yeah, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I was a diesel mechanic whenever I was in before. I'd like to go back into that. Oh, I don't have an opening for that. I can make you a cook. They're going, no, I'm not a cook. He says, well, six months after you've been in there, you can convert over. And I go, you're a recruiter, okay? I know how these guys work. So I went next door and I talked to the Navy recruiter and he put me in. And I went into uh, engineering on Navy ships. And uh, after, while I was in training in Great Lakes, Illinois in March, uh, I got a phone call from the Red Cross. They said, you need to go home. I said, what's wrong? I said, your wife had the baby, and they had to, and she was in East Texas, where she was from, and they rushed the baby to Galveston, Texas, to the medical center there. And uh, so I got permission to go, and I mean, within hours, I was driving down the road out of Great Lakes, Illinois, 
I drove straight through here to Popper Bluff where my mother was, slept for about four hours and drove 10 more hours down to Texas. And I got to the hospital in Galveston right after they was bringing the baby out of the surgery. And uh, she looked perfect. I mean, she's beautiful. But she had what to call a dandy walker malformation. Everything inside her body was not correct. She was blind. Her nervous system was totally disoriented. She had water on the brain. And they said she didn't even have a digestive system. That was tough. It was real tough. So I stayed there for a while and then went back to East Texas where my wife was in a hospital. And uh, we got with a pastor and we started praying. And I turned myself over to Jesus at that time. I knew I had to do something because this child needed help. And I would say that's my first time that I ever really experienced praying to God. But first off, I had to tell him I was a sinner. And I needed him to take my sins away. And he did. Well, needless to say, the child didn't make it. She had too many things against her. She lived for a total of 59 days. Well, I had to go back to Great Lakes, Illinois. Well, they sent me back, after I graduated from a school I was going through, they sent me back to East Texas and let me have what they had called a humanitarian transfer, and I stayed there for a while. And then after a while, I had to go report to a ship in Pensacola, Florida. And I wound up in a church that was very helpful to me. It's what I needed. Uh, The preacher back in East Texas, he said, when you go to... Pensacola, Florida, you go find these people. They'll help you. And they were. They were very helpful to me. So as time went on, and I was a young Christian. I was on fire for God. And boy, did I do some preaching. (laughs) I tell you what, you get on them Navy ships and those guys have no place to go. You need Jesus. And, uh, I was on that ship for a year and a half, and uh, we had a young man in there. God had called him to preach, and he was working on getting his discharge as a conscientious objector. That's how he felt, and I said, well, Daniel, if that's what you want to do, go for it. And to this day, as far as I know, he's still preaching. Uh, But we got to witness to a lot of young men on there, and whenever they're in situations like that, all of you that's been in the military, you know how it is when you get away from home. You, you got to find something to do. And most generally, most of them wind up getting in trouble. Well, us Christians, as Jesus people, we started preaching to them. And we had a pretty good group. Um, we had one young man that we was really trying to work with. And he just, there was something about him that just wasn't right. And so the ship I was on, we had a chapel, and this group, there was about six of us at that time, we would get together and just let Daniel speak some words to us, and we might try to try to sing some songs and, and all. And 
this young man came in the chapel there, sat down, sat there a few minutes, and got up and left. Well, we had uh, one guy, uh, George. He was recording the service. He always liked to do it. Anybody know what a cassette tape is? That's why we had a boom box with a cassette tape. That's how long ago it was. And uh, so after we got done, we left, and, and I go back to my compartment where I was at and was laying in my rack reading. George come up, and he says, Emmett, Emmett, you got to hear this. I go, what, George, what? What's going on? He said, listen, listen. So he turned that cassette tape on, and you could hear us in there trying to sing. I said, I don't want to hear that. We're not doing any good. I mean, you know, God probably put a plug in his ear so he didn't have to listen to us. He says, no, listen, listen. All of a sudden, I heard the door open and shut. It sounded like a 78 record went from 78 to 33. Went real slow. And you could hear this voice. I'm going... Your batteries are dead and you're, no, no, they're brand new batteries. Listen. And this just went on. Then you heard the door open, close, immediately picked right back up. I go, um, I'm kind of new at this, but I think we just uh, witnessed an evil spirit. And we think that's what it was. The young man got saved later on. That spirit was taken out of him. And we were out at sea when he got saved, and he wanted to be baptized, but the cooks wouldn't let us use the kettle. They got these big old metal kettles. The cooks wouldn't let us use the kettle baptized, so we had to wait till we got back home. <laughs> so, you know, this, this went on. Then time goes on, and things start to happen. I got away from God. Just the way things happened in my life. And uh, I divorced my wife. And I went on for a few more years and got out of the service. And came back to Popper Bluff because this is where my mom was. Uh, my daughter lived in Florida where she mostly grew up. And the one daughter that I had is still alive. She was the first one. And uh, I came back here because of my mother. And I met some people, and I started going to church. And Ricky and Cindy was going to church there, and some others. And things just went on, and I got into church. And I just didn't feel right. I got to thinking about things, and I'd go worship God. I'd try to, you know, sing the the best I could because I've been told at one time I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket with a lid on it, so. But uh, I got to thinking about it, and I heard a message just recently about how we live God and what we do for Him and what He does for us. And I come to find out I was a Timex Christian. I'm not talking about the Timex that takes a licking and keeps on ticking. A Timex Christian. 
I become another I have a, a Christian. I'm a Christian when I want to be. And that's not what God wants from us. And I got to seeing that living for God was just going to church and doing what was expected of me. And not all my money was going to the church like it should have been. And then there's times that on Saturday night or Sunday morning, that's when I'd make a decision whether I was going to go to church or not. And I let things get in my life that keep me away from him. And I lost my passion. And when you're passionate about something and you lose it, you just kind of go off to the wayside. So I heard a message. Then. And I says, you know, how can I get Jesus back to number one in my life? And I realized it was going to take some steps. Now, first off, I had to realize, how do I view Jesus? What does he look like to me, or how do I get the impression of him? Judas Iscariot was one of the disciples, but he was always the one that was mentioned last. He was a disciple, but he's the one that betrayed Jesus. And I'm going, wow, he was a disciple? But he was reviewed or uh, thought of as a miser and a thief. And that's from John 12, 4 through 6. And I said, okay, is Jesus just a great person in my life? A teacher or what? Or is Jesus Lord of my life? And I, these, these things just keep coming to me. And I realized that it wasn't just overnight that I realized I didn't want to live for Jesus. It was a slow process. And that's the way the devil does it. He'll put little things in there. And you just keep doing these other things. You don't live for him like you should. And it's just like... You probably heard the old story about if you take a paper bag and put a frog in it and put it on the water and you gradually increase the heat, that frog's going to cook before he realizes it's too late. And that's not the slow process. Now, it's not a real good analogy, but that's what I'm using. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But anyway, so I decided I have got to do something about that. First off, I had to create trust. And I found out that trust and faith are hand in hand. There's some uh, reference to it in the New Testament using a Greek word, P-I-S-T-I-S. I don't know how to pronounce it. But it's usually translated as faith. It covers the idea of a trust a firm internal conviction regarding the truthfulness of someone or some claim. I go, wow. Hebrews 11, we all know it. So 
I started working on that. God himself activates faith in the hearer of his word, enabling that hearer to become faithful in Christ, just as he is faithful. Romans 10, 17. Faith has taught me, and I'm reading what I wrote down here, okay? Faith has taught me that prayer is more about knowing and trusting God in times of trouble. God in troubled times has taught me the importance of being weaned off the need of immediate relief or deliverance in order to develop the spiritual character of who I am. It was these times the Lord has taught me the great importance of faith, hope, and love. If we learn these values, then we are learning a great deal about prayer. And that was the next step. I needed prayer. I needed to be able to contact with him. Because prayer is one way that we have getting in touch with him. It's a one-on-one. And I didn't feel like I was getting the prayer that I needed or the instruction I needed. Because the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray after watching him pray. And that was in Luke 11.1. While Jesus prayed for long periods of time, he sometimes prayed in Luke 6.12 all night, before dawn, Mark 1.35, and repeated himself, Mark 14, 36 through 42. He called for people to trust their father and not their own elegance or fervor. Prayer is that dialogue between us and God. And it's not a long-distance call. Calling upon God's name in prayer is the first act, a true mark of a believer. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that brings me to where I am today. I needed to learn more about prayer. And I tell you right now, these Wednesday nights have increased me. I'm not being selfish, but God has put me here to learn how to pray. And all of you out there have been helpful to that. And I thank you for it. Because I don't know what it would be like if I had not learned, first off, to have faith, but then learn how to pray. And this is a praying church. It is totally evident here. Of all the prayers that have gone out for people I can mention, and some that I don't even know, but I've heard their name mentioned in prayer. And that's what will make this church stronger, is the prayer. And I know I'm repeating what others have said, but I'm telling you from my heart, that's what's going to make it. Because right now, there's an enemy out there, and pastor's been preaching on it. 
He's out there to search, kill, and destroy. And he would do it in any way he can. If he can make you wander off at a little slow process at his time, then he knows he's got you. And we need to pray for all of those. I hope that I've helped somebody tonight. Like this church has helped me in my life. I keep telling her that it took me 30 years to find her, and I finally got her. But she's the love of my life. And we work pretty good together. She tells me what to do, and I do it. But all joking aside, I appreciate all of you. And I thank you for your prayers. And I think we need to pray. But I'd like to do it a little bit different. Brother Randy. Brother Kent. What I would like to do is get in groups. I want one group around Brother Randy. I want another group group around Brother Kent. These are our spiritual leaders right here. There's others in here. If you would just come forward and make a group around these. If there's too many, because I've got some names I'm going to mention here that we need to pray about. Not only just for these two, there's Brother Chuck, Brother Danny. This gentleman sits back there in that sound booth. He makes us sound good. We need to pray for him. I understand Jack Pruitt is not doing very good. Wonderful man. We need to pray for him. Young man, he's almost like a son to me. That's Josh. God has delivered him, and he's going to heal him. He's going to make him whole. I believe it. And we as a praying church can make it happen. There was somebody else that was mentioned, and I can't recall who it is. I'm sorry. But if you know somebody... Call that name out to Jesus tonight. Brother Greg. Right there he is. Go on up here. I want to put you on a hot spot. We'll start with these three. Any others? Any others? A name you want mentioned? A loved one? A friend? Brother Jim? Tim Haggard? All right. All right. Uh, Debbie Arnold's lost her father. I need to pray for them. Sister Joanne. Uh, 
Lily, six years old. Okay, a six-year-old have hospice. That's hard for me to comprehend, but it happens. Butch Ward. Okay. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, Lord. We bring these names unto you, Lord. For we know that you're able to reach down in each and every one of them, God. Touch upon them, God. We bring for you, Brother Randy, Lord, and these issues that he's had with his feet, Lord God. We know that you can come down right now and touch upon him, heal him, Lord God. We want you to bring your glory and your mercy upon him, Lord Jesus.